Hey church family, it's, it's nice to be able to talk to you again. So I have this question in my mind, and it's this. What kind of things made Jesus nervous? I mean, those ordinary everyday things that make you and me nervous. I wonder if any of them made him nervous. I'm actually quite sure that he must have got nervous because the Bible tells us he was fully human. Um, and so he experienced everything humans experience. The only thing that we know that he didn't experience is sin. And, uh, and so I don't think being nervous is a sin. So I reckon Jesus probably experienced nerves. Um, I wonder if he got nervous when he got ready to preach. Preachers' nerves are, are a weird thing. Um, when you're a young preacher, obviously you have them often. And over the years, I've gotten over most of my preachers' nerves. But sometimes they do come back. And uh, they're in particular zones. So uh, my family can make me nervous. I don't mean, you know, my family that's around all the time, but like when my mom and dad used to come to church or when my family that doesn't live around here comes to church, always makes me a bit nervous. New environments can make you nervous as a preacher, like preaching to a camera um, has created a little bit of nervousness, not only in me as a preacher, but I think others as well. Um, one of the things that makes me really nervous is when I know I'm going to preach a big moment. Uh, like in the life of our church, like Transformation Day or Easter, or Christmas, or, or one of those things, or, or when sometimes when I, I'm preaching for the denomination, those things made me nervous. Um, I wonder if Jesus felt nervous uh, when he came to preach in Nazareth. Uh, there's a story about him preaching in the synagogue in Nazareth, and I think he must have been nervous, and I want to tell you why. Number one, he was a new preacher. Um, the story that we read in Luke tells us that it, this happens just after he came out of the desert, after he'd been tempted by Satan, so right at the beginning of the time when he did public ministry, and he preached in a few little towns in the area, and now he arrives in Nazareth. So I, I think maybe a little bit of new preacher nerves there. Uh, a second thing, and I think this was a big one, is that he was preaching in his hometown. So this was going to be like his his mom and his brothers and sisters and the people he went to synagogue with and school with. And, and I'm pretty sure that would have made him nervous. Um, it certainly would have made me nervous. Um, I also think that he was nervous because he was ma about to make some really big theological claims. I find I get nervous when I know I'm going to preach something that's really core to Christianity and it may be a bit of a controversial thing. And this is exactly what was about to happen to Jesus. He was about to step squarely into that zone of making really big controversial theological things. Let me read to you the story from Luke chapter 4. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, 
to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Oh, that is just a massive claim right there. Basically, what Jesus is saying is that from this beloved passage that all Jews absolutely loved because it was about the Messiah and about freedom and about being set free, Jesus saying, this is about me. I think we should explore that a little bit. I think that it's worth talking about what the freedom that Jesus promises is about. Since clearly it was such an important thing for him. It was central to who he was. And I think often we listen to this passage and we just spiritualize it. We just turn it into, well, Jesus died on the cross and he sets me free from my sins. And, and then one day I'll be completely free. Now, I, I don't think that's what Jesus meant. I think, well, that's only a very tiny part of what he meant. This passage isn't just spiritual, it is very practical. It is not just about being free one day when we die and go to heaven. It's not just about being free from guilt right now for a moment. It's about Jesus coming so that the prisoners can be set free, so that we can live out freedom. And I think we've just been given a unique opportunity to explore the freedom that Christ brings because we, we're experiencing limited freedom. We're all locked down. We're all in some kind of prison at the moment. And so I think it would be a, a really valuable exercise for us as a church to, to get some lessons about true freedom while we're not experiencing it. And so over the next few weeks, we're going to explore some, some people uh, in the Bible, some stories of people who learnt about true freedom that God provides even when they were locked down. And so I, I, I want to start with probably the first prisoner we are told about in the Bible, and it's a story you really know well. It's the story of Joseph. And of course, you know, the whole dream coat and all of that. And it takes a whole lot of chapters at the book, at the end of the book of Genesis. It starts in chapter 37. And, and as I've read the story, I've realized there were three prisons that Joseph was locked into. And the first one was the prison of his family. So if you've been around for a long time, you know the story well. It's the 17-year-old really spoilt, favorite youngest son of a really prosperous man called Jacob or Israel. Uh, he had 11 brothers. Uh, not only was he spoilt, but he was pretty arrogant as well. And the truth is his brothers despised him. Let me read to you what it says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. 
So, so Joseph was kind of trapped in this family system. He was favorite. He, because he was favorite, he, he was a spoiled brat. Um, he has these dreams about being worshipped by his brothers and his parents, and he tells his brothers about it, and he tells his parents, and that doesn't help at all. Often we are trapped, not by physical things, but by our relationships, by the people around us. Maybe it's our families, maybe it's our work environment. But it can, it's really clear that this kid was trapped and thought things about himself and about others and about God because of where he was caught. But as the story unfolds, we discover that, that Joseph goes from, from this trap. And, and let me be clear, there were lots of good things about his family. There were lots of good things about his family. Even though there was this dysfunction, he was also learning about God. He was also um, connecting to God, and, and there was lots of good stuff. But there was this one really big issue. And so this issue leads to his second prison. And this is a much more physical one. He goes from being the favorite son of a wealthy man and pretty much doing what he pleases to being a slave. We have to be careful to romanticize slavery. Uh, it's ugly. Uh, people get bought and sold and they get tied up and they become somebody else's property. And Joseph ends up as a slave because his brothers hate him so much. And so they, they sell him and he becomes property. First of a group of Midianites, and then of a guy called Potiphar, who's a really important person in, in um, Egyptian society. But it's bad. It gets worse. Joseph doesn't just go from being a slave. A little while later, he goes from being a slave to being a prisoner. First, a prison of his family, then the prison of slavery, and now finally the prison of of actual prison. That famous story of, of Joseph um, and Potiphar's wife, where Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph and he resists it and she reports him and Potiphar reacts like this. Genesis 38 verse 19, when his master heard the story his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me, he burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. But I want to take you back in the story. And I want to take you to three key lessons that, that Joseph is busy learning while he's trapped in these prisons. And, and I really do believe that these are things that God wants us to use and to be and to live out so that wherever we are, whatever we're trapped in, we can become and experience more freedom, the true freedom that Christ gives when we're in a relationship with him. And the first lesson is this. At some point, Joseph realizes 
that God is always with me. He realizes this, that God is always with me. We know from the story that even though his family was dysfunctional, they worshipped God. And so he would have had family rituals and practices. There would have been sacrifices made at home. And possibly he didn't even care much about them. Possibly he disconnected from God. We don't know any of that. But, but God's presence, God's people, the reality of God would have been around him. Plus, we also know that the dreams that he dreamt, that, that he bragged about to his brothers and his family, were actually dreams from God. Sometimes we don't believe God is with us, but he is. And we need to practice the presence of God. Sometimes when we feel trapped, we just need to do those things that remind us that God is with us, even if we're not feeling them. Have a devotion, sing worship, join a church family on a Sunday, even if it's on the internet. But we, we need to practice the presence of God because God is with us. But it wasn't just in the prison of his family that God was with him. Listen to what it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2. Now Joseph is the prison in the prison of slavery. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his, of his Egyptian master. When his master saw what the Lord, that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. And so the, the story is reminding us that God is with Joseph, even in prison. In fact, it, it later on, not in prison, in, in slavery, later on when he's in prison, this is what it says at the end of chapter 39. But while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. He showed his kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warder. Folks, the key to experiencing freedom wherever we are is to know that God is with us. Now, here's a second key. I think one of the things that, that, that Joseph began to understand is that God's favor and presence doesn't always fix everything. God's favor and presence doesn't always fix everything. He was still a slave. He was still in prison. He unjustly, both times, I mean, his brothers gave him away, sold him. He, he, he got sent to prison on trumped up charges. He got to sent to prison for doing the right thing. And God doesn't take him out of prison. In fact, the Bible says to us that from the time he gets sold as a slave to the time he finally enters Pharaoh's service as a free person is 12 or 13 years. He was 17, 18, and at 30, he starts working for Pharaoh. And so we need to know, just like Joseph did, that even when God doesn't fix the big problems, it doesn't mean he's withdrawn his favor from us. He will be with us. Jesus reminds us very strongly. His disciples were feeling completely trapped because he was leaving and they just didn't know what to do. And Jesus said to them in, in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Folks, God 
is with us. And God favors us, but it doesn't mean he's going to solve all our problems immediately. Here's the third thing that Joseph lived out or began to understand that gave him real freedom even while he was in prison. And it's this. He served where he was. It's, it's, it's really interesting to see that this spoiled young guy who, who obviously got everything he wanted pretty much, ends up serving. We read in Genesis 39 verse 4, Joseph found favor in his eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and he trusted to his care everything he owned. Later on, when Joseph is in prison, it says this, So the warder put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warder paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. I mean, that's a remarkable story. What a, what a transformation. Here Joseph is saying, I will just serve Folks, often we wait until God sets us free or we wait for that to happen or the next big thing instead of just serving God where we are. Here's my, the favorite part of the story for me. Joseph is changed to become much more Christ-like in prison in captivity and we know the story carries on he he interprets dreams for two important people and those dreams come true and he's still left in prison for two years and then pharaoh has dreams and joseph gets pulled in and joseph interprets the dreams and joseph becomes the most important person in the whole of egypt bar pharaoh He's in charge of, of handing out all the food, uh, of, of saving the Egyptians. Not just saving the Egyptians, but saving the whole world. Can you imagine if that spoiled brat from, from before had been in charge? Imagine if he'd been given all that power. Imagine how he would have abused it. But he doesn't. Why? Because of the lessons he learned in lockdown. Because of the freedom he experienced in God. And so the story ends because Joseph experiences freedom and he's able to give that freedom to other people. So you know, his brothers come, they desperately need food, there's some weird interaction, they, yeah, there's family dynamics work themselves out. End of the day, Joseph shows who he is. His brothers go back, they fetch his dad, the whole family comes together. Happy ending, everybody saved. Yay! Except it's not quite the end. We read this amazing thing right at the end of Genesis chapter 50. So Joseph's dad dies. Now, his family's been living in Egypt, they've been given their own land, they're prospering. Joseph's still a big guy in Egypt. But then his dad dies. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong things we did to him? Now, now they're in prison, eh? They're terrified of this brother. 
So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in a place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done and saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. What a, what a great story. What a great change. What a great freedom. A young man, a prisoner, practicing the presence of God in prison, living out some lessons he'd learned and God shaping him and changing him into a person that not only provides freedom from hunger for millions of people, but provides freedom for his brothers who did such terrible things to him. Why? Because he understood that God was in charge. Whether he was in prison, whether he was free, whether he was the second most important person in Egypt, whatever is going on, the devil or the world may mean it for harm, but God will use it for good. Lord Jesus, help us to live out the freedom that you promise. Help us not to live trapped even when we feel it, even when we don't have freedom. Help us to learn the lessons that we can only learn when we're confined with you so that you really become the one who sets us free, not just spiritually, but in reality in our everyday lives. Amen.